Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Ask the Dentist, hosted by me, Dr. Mark Berhenna, or just Dr. B. I'm a functionally minded dentist, and I've been practicing for over 35 years. The premise of this podcast is the same as that of my website, askthedentist.com. And that's to help patients inform themselves so that they can play an active role in the maintenance of their oral health and to introduce you as well to functional dentistry. It's a different and more comprehensive approach regarding oral health in general, but also well-being in general. The two are connected. And I take questions and I try and answer them, and hopefully that leads to a well-rounded discussion. Again, I'm (laughs) discussing it with myself. And although sometimes, as you probably just recently experienced, I do have guests on the show. and But hopefully this all leads to actionable solutions for you. And again, I approach all of your questions from this functionally-minded perspective, meaning that I see that overall health of our bodies as being intimately connected to that of oral health. And I know this is a review, but this is for newcomers. Welcome and, and just a review and a summary of why I'm here. I think sometimes I just need to say that out loud just so I stay on track. So thanks for tuning in today and be sure to listen in future episodes to all of our future episodes that you can continue to empower yourself and know what to ask your dentist, as well as what to expect the next time you find yourself in that chair, that dreaded dental chair. But anyway, before we dive into today's question, which by the way, is sleep related, a great question. If you are enjoying this podcast, please take a moment to leave a review. This will help others find the oral health information that you've been using to optimize your overall health. So as always, I appreciate your support and your review. So let's get right to today's topic. Type 1 diabetes, sleep. There is a kind of a dental component to this question. I think you'll get that pretty quickly because as many of you may know, type 1 diabetics, actually one of my good friends, one of my climbing and skiing partners, has been a type 1 diabetic. And that's essentially different than type 2. Type 2 is different than type 1. Type 1 being you've never really been able to produce insulin and you've been in charge of that yourself manually. And the question is relevant in the sense to oral health Type 1 diabetics have to ingest sugar. A lot of them will have snacks on them. What happens in the middle of the night, for example, when you're sleeping for eight hours, those blood sugar levels will drop and you need a hit of sugar. What do you get out of bed and brush? This is a really great question. I would never have thought of discussing this, and that's what I love about this podcast. So let's get right to this question. I'm looking forward to answering it. Hi, Dr. B. You might have answered this question in bits and pieces during other podcasts, but maybe the type 1 diabetics in your listening audience might appreciate knowing what you might recommend for those middle-of-the-night low blood sugars that a type 1 diabetic needs to treat with sugar in order to be safe and elevate the blood sugar back to normal levels. I have often used juice, drinking juice through a straw, and then I rinse my mouth with water afterwards, or maybe I'll do a quick tongue scraping after I've had juice. This is, again, in the middle of the night when you don't really want to wake up too much and you don't really want to chew anything, but you need sugar in order to raise the blood sugar. So my question is, what would you recommend for those middle of the night, low blood sugar moments? And what would you recommend that one eat or drink? And then how would you recommend that they care for their mouth to reduce the possibility of dental caries? Okay, thanks so much. 
Wow. What a great question. Lots of practical aspects to managing this disease. Type 1 diabetes, making sure it's not interrupting your sleep, sipping on juice in the middle of the night. Do you brush? Do you not brush? Floss? Scrape your tongue? Do you test? You know, by the time you've done all of that, you're wide awake. You've had to turn on the lights. Again, great question. I would never have thought of teaching or answering this, uh, teaching about it, answering this question. And so what I did is I, again, as I mentioned earlier, I asked my friend who we've been in tents and 50 mile an hour winds and snow falling on glaciers. And again, controlling your diabetes is so important, especially in the mountains. The minute you're low on blood sugar, glucose levels, you're a threat to the climbing party, to yourself, and survival becomes that much more difficult. Same thing though for sleeping. Let's say you've got a, you're a student, you have a big exam in the morning, you have a big presentation to give at work, you want to make sure that you're sleeping well. So what does one do if you have type 1 diabetes. Again, there's you can give yourself medication, but there isn't enough medication to get you through a good night of sleep, eight hours. Your blood sugar will drop. So in the old days, before we had all the gadgets and the know-how and the knowledge, you would literally wake up in a sweat. Sometimes a dream would wake you up. You were in a panic and your blood sugar levels were so low that your body wouldn't let you die in your sleep. It's a lot like sleep apnea. The airway closes up, it collapses. You stop breathing for 30, 40, 60 seconds even, even more. Your body wakes you up. That's the way it's designed. But it's in a very primal wake-up, fight or flight. And that's hard to recover from after you've been sleeping. Then you have to turn the lights on. You have to test yourself. You take a drink of orange juice. Then you wonder, do I have to brush my teeth, scrape my tongue? Again, that is way too much. So this is what I recommend. I recommend eating three to four hours before bed. This is a general rule in general for good sleep. You don't want to fall asleep on a full stomach, but in this case, it helps your blood sugar level stabilize so that when you test before you go to bed, you may know what your blood sugar levels are, but you don't really know whether the blood sugar levels are rising or falling. I would invest in a glucose monitor, continuous glucose monitor, CGM. It's a little patch. You stick it on the fleshy part of underneath your elbow your forearm, and that will wake you up at a set time. You can decide when it wakes you up. This way, you can set it to wake you up before you're in that fight or flight mode. I would keep two glasses by your bed. I would measure out two to four ounces of juice, typically of what you think you need, and then have a full glass of water. Wake up, keep your eye blinders on, keep the room dark, lean over, drink some juice, let the CGM decide whether that was enough or not. You don't really have to worry. You can go back to sleep. If it isn't, it'll wake you up again. The room's still dark. You haven't exerted yourself too much. You're not in a panicky mode. And then swish with water. I would just get it in your mouth, lean back, swish for about a minute while you're falling to sleep. Let that rhythmic swishing motion kind of lull you back into delta wave sleep, which you should be getting in those early morning hours. And try that. That's all you really need to do. I wouldn't get up and brush. I wouldn't get up and floss. Make sure you're mouth taping. That complicates things a little bit. Obviously, if you have to have a drink, you have to mouth tape. But I'm able to mouth tape in the dark. I just reach over. There's some tape. I peel it off. I throw it on my lips push it onto my lips and I'm done. You know, if it did come off in the middle of the night or if I need a drink of water, that will keep your mouth moist and reduce the chance of decay. A dry mouth, obviously, your saliva levels are lower. 
your mouth dries out, your pH levels drop because saliva is that buffer, keeps everything at pH 7, and lower, more acidic pHs in the mouth lead to decay. So that could help as well. Again, don't get up and brush and floss and worry and turn on the lights and chances are you'll never get back to sleep. And I think once you get into this routine, waking up gently, a little bit of orange juice, swish with water, lean back, keep swishing, swallow, and then just go back to sleep. I think that will do the trick. I think that interruption will be minimal. I mean, think of how many times people go to the bathroom in the middle of the night. And I always consider that to be a bad night of sleep. You know, sometimes having a full bladder at three or four in the morning may not be related to any bladder issues or age. It could be that you're having apnea. So if you have sleep apnea and you're being woken up by low blood sugar levels, it would help. Your sleep would be improved if you address the sleep apnea. Again, it's all related. It's all part of this one big kind of system. And one part leads to another and they're connected and one can help the other if you fix it. So that would be my last point. If you do have sleep apnea, but you're also a type one, get that addressed as well. Again, in addition to that, if you do have sleep apnea, it's harder to regulate your blood sugar levels. So if you do have sleep apnea, you treat that. Maybe you won't get up in the middle of the night. Maybe you won't have that low blood sugar moments. You probably would still, but they wouldn't be as severe. And maybe the time between falling to sleep and the first low sugar event would be six hours instead of four. All of that will help. So anyway, wonderful question. I really had to think about that, reach out to some people that I know that actually have this condition and have had to adapt to living with type 1 diabetes. And in the case of my climbing partner, he's five, six years older than I am. He's got a lot of muscle mass. He's in great shape. Uh, we mountain bike together. It can be done. He has addressed his sleep, his sleep apnea. I helped him with that. But I didn't really, I mean, I always consider low blood sugar levels as a source of arousal, but I didn't really think of the practical aspects of being aroused or poked awake or, you know, suddenly your body's telling you to wake up, there's an emergency. I, I didn't really think of it in that context. So that question was very helpful. Anyway, I hope that helps. I hope that gives everyone some practical tips. This could easily apply to type two, although that's a different ball game. Probably a little bit easier if you do have type two, but type two can arouse you. And people that are insulin dependent, that aren't eating well, eating late, eating a lot of starchy carbs before they go to bed, sometimes hunger pangs, which is essentially can be a low blood glucose situation, that'll wake you up. I think back to that cartoon called Dagwood. I'm dating myself here, but it was something my dad read in the comics and the funny section. Is that what they called it? The funnies, right? Dagwood would always get up and make this massive sandwich at three or four in the morning. Again, that's not when you should be eating. Your last meal should be well before you go to bed. And that also applies for alcohol as well. So anyway, I hope as a result of this question, you sleep better. You can address the type one, even the type two diabetes, that situation. And this of course will lead to less decay. Do not get up and brush in the middle of the night. That's just too much. It's not necessary. Rinsing with water, vigorously swishing for about a minute as you're dozing off again will do the job. So that brings us to the end of another episode. Wonderful question. Thank you for asking that. Keep these questions coming in. I don't know about you guys, but I'm learning a lot from hearing and, you know, trying to answer your questions. So, and doing the research or at least pulling out some deep-seated knowledge that I attained long ago from a patient. Again, remember, doctors learn almost as much, perhaps even more, 
I learn a lot from my patients, a lot of very gray things like behavioral stuff and how it relates to feedback that one gives you. And, you know, for example, when I ask a question, how do you sleep at night? The answer is never clear. It's I sleep great. I don't. I snore. I'm tired all day long. I mean, it's healing and is as much about understanding your patient than it is knowing the clinical aspects of it, your academic background and all that knowledge. So it's really as much an art form as it is a science. That has been long very clear to me as a practicing dentist. But anyway, if you have questions like that, please reach out. Anything is game. Please leave me your name. would love to hear and where you're from. That's always fun. Please go to speakpipe.com slash askthedentist if you want to leave a question. If you have you know, if this sparks any interest in sleep and controlling blood sugar levels, we've written about that on our website. Go to askthedentist.com. Also about rinsing after drinking acidic drinks. Uh, it's not just about the sugar. It's also about the acid. Orange juice has a lot of acid. Maybe it shouldn't be orange juice. Again, I'm not a diabetic, so I don't know. But I would experiment with other juices. Orange juice to me is not a health food. But then again, if you're a diabetic and you need a lot of sugar, then certainly a freshly squeezed glass of orange juice is probably okay. But what about beet juice? What about unfiltered organic apple juice? I don't know the answer to that. But consider the alternatives, whatever works best for you. But don't worry about taking a sip, two to four ounces of juice, swish with water, go back to sleep. That's really the most important thing. And if you're looking for a functional dentist that kind of considers the whole global systems, oral microbiomes, gut microbiomes, all these alien DNA that are in us, diabetes, type 1, type 2, and practical solutions to things that disrupt your sleep, then go to Ask the Dentist, askthedentist.com slash directory. And that way you can access a list of like-minded and trained functional dentists in your city or county or even in your country. It's a worldwide list and it's growing. So keep checking back. Again, thank you for listening. I really appreciate, I'm very appreciative of your interest in oral health because I know that the more you learn about oral health, the better, the more likely you'll achieve better optimal systemic health. To me, that's clear. I've seen that happen over the decades and it can work very quickly as a matter of fact. So on that note, I'll see you next time. Stay safe, stay very safe. Don't listen to the news too much. And again, thanks for listening. Hi, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. This podcast is not a substitute for professional care by a dentist, doctor, or other qualified medical professional. This podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. If you're looking for help in your journey, seek out a qualified medical practitioner. If you're looking for a functional dental care provider, you can visit askthedentist.com directory and search or find a dentist database. It's important that you have someone in your corner who's trained, is a licensed healthcare practitioner, and can help you make changes, especially when it comes to your health.